Good afternoon. Welcome to Screen Cleaning. My name is Jeff Simpson. And my name is Cole Wessinger. And we are here each and every week to give you the very best in entertainment. We like to focus on the positive, Cole, right? The good, everything that's good in the entertainment world. Yes. And, you know, sometimes that means focusing a little bit on some of the things that are not good, but then we always bring it back. We circle back to why maybe in the long run this isn't the worst thing, right? We try to. And there's no greater example of that right now, Cole, than something that is forcing a lot of movies, TV shows, events to be put on hold for a little while, right? Yeah, the news in the world in general and has its fingers down in the entertainment world. We've mentioned it the past couple weeks. It is the coronavirus outbreak all over the world, it seems like. Yeah, and this is affecting all sorts of entertainment and will likely affect – uh, the box office returns for this year. The estimates are that the Chinese box office alone has already lost around $5 billion this year because – and it kind of winds us back in the calendar. This all started happening right around the Chinese New Year, which is their Christmas as far as the box office is concerned. Here in America, um, Christmas Day and, and that whole just week afterwards between Christmas and New Year's, people are in the movies every single day and that's that's where the, the butter gets – breaded the bread gets buttered for uh, movie (laughs) producers and studios i would love some breaded butter cole (laughs) but uh, you take that and you times it by even more for china and also this was the year that economists and strategists in the industry anticipated that the chinese box office would actually surpass the american box office for the first time whoa but that's going to be put on hold for another year because because of this outbreak. Yeah. So let's talk about some of those films and events that have been affected by this outbreak. And speaking of outbreak, we'll talk about that here in just a second. Um, Peter Rabbit 2. There's no official word yet that it's going to be postponed here in the States. However, it will be postponed by about five months internationally, which leads us to believe that it's it's only a matter of time before they postpone it here in the States. That's due out in April, um, until it's not, right, Cole? <laughs> right. Another movie that is now more recently due out in April is My Spy. It was supposed to be this weekend. We were supposed to be talking. I was supposed to have a review today on screen cleaning about what I thought of My Spy and should you go see it? And is Dave Batista the cool big guy to a small, cute kid? And And now we'll have to wait another month. We've already talked about James Bond being uh, postponed until November. But again, let's focus on the positive here. James Bond is now back squarely where he belongs in Thanksgiving, right? They were trying to put him at the dawn of the summer movie uh, box office, the blockbuster season for movies, so it could make a little bit more money. It is predicted to not make as much in that November slot. But once James Bond moved out of its spot in April, then Trolls World Tour moved around and went into the former James Bond spot because it had one of those. Really? People were so impressed uh, or scared or whatever it is of the James Bond name that no other movies were due out that weekend. Yeah. So when James Bond moved, you had to fill in the gaps. Trolls World Tour moves back a little we'll bit. We'll take it. And then that's where my spy ended up is in the old Trolls spot. 
Mm. So it, it's shuffle. It's just constant shuffling because every single weekend, once you get out of January, every weekend has something. And so once one thing moves, everything, the dominoes start falling. I, I mean, you talk about Avatar 5 already being on the calendar in 2027. It's got its spot reserved. You reserve these spots if you're a studio very early on. Sure. And when you start moving them, it's going to affect everything. Wow. Well, let's talk about some of the events that are being either postponed or canceled. Julie Andrews is supposed to be the honoree at the next AFI Lifetime Achievement event, right? American Film Institute. That's going to have to be put on hold. Sorry, Mary Poppins. South by Southwest is the next big festival to hit. We've already had Sundance this year in Utah in January. Um, The South by Southwest festival is canceled until further notice. Pearl Jam is postponing the first leg of their tour. Eddie Vedder, sorry. Coachella is likely to be postponed. Now, I'm somebody that needs to have you uh, explain to me what Coachella is. As soon as I find out, I will uh, sit you down and talk about it. Thank you. It just makes me hungry, though. It makes me think of Nutella. Ooh. The whole entertainment world is being affected because the four major sports – well, the four sports going on right now, which includes soccer, um, are talking about how they're going to address large amount of fans gathering at one point in time. Here on the campus of BYU, we received a little notification saying that there was confirmed um, a patient that had been diagnosed with coronavirus at our basketball game a couple weeks ago when BYU hosted Gonzaga. It was the biggest crowd that had ever stuck inside the Marriott Center had 20,000 people, one of them did have coronavirus. So when you have large groups of people in very close proximity, that's where germs love to to spread around, and that's what we're trying to avoid right now. And movie theaters are another place where that can happen. So are live tapings, Cole, because it's also been confirmed that Jeopardy is going to uh, do some filmings without a live audience. And that goes in, yeah, when I mentioned sports, they're talking about in the NBA playing without any fans. And LeBron James, I probably without being properly uh, informed about the fact that this is a real possibility, said off the cuff, I'm not playing if there's no fan. Like, I do this for the fans. It totally changes the dynamic, Cole. And it's going to, it would just be wild to see these professionals in an empty stadium for a reason. But again, let's focus on some of the positive aspects of this, Cole. Peter Rabbit 2. That means that I can put that one off a little bit longer and uh, not have to take my kids to see that so soon. Now I can forget that it's going to (laughs) happen. I think the biggest positive for me is that New Mutants hasn't moved yet. New Mutants, poor, which has moved new for mutants. everything else. It is still sitting on the calendar for April 3rd. Gosh, it is only a matter of time before they send it back a little bit further. Yeah. Because of just the next thing. It's inevitable. But right now it's standing there. So, but, however, let's focus on the positive here, Cole. Um, bad news for movie theaters is great news for streaming streaming services. This is going to do wonders for Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and even some of the others that are starting to get into the game as well. When Rod brought up last week or the week before the idea of 
producers just like sending the movie to streaming immediately for like a price. I thought he was crazy. I have seen that idea start to catch traction. Really? Uh, across news outlets or just opinion columns. And people think that streaming is going to have a big boom uh, because of the the – inability or or the reticence of people to go and gather together as you normally do for movies. Sure. And hopefully this coronavirus is not still around when this uh, new TV series comes out. But it's been announced that there is a prequel series in development at Disney Plus, which will feature Luke Evans, who played Gaston in Beauty and the Beast, and Josh Gad, who played LeFou, in the Beauty and the Beast film. They're going to have their own series on Disney+. Plus. What do you think of that, Because Cole? if there's any universe that we need to just know more about, it is <laughs> 15th century France. Yes. And whatever war Gaston was apparently in and if, made him Gaston. If there's any money to be had... Uh, Disney will find with it. With low risk, Disney will push it to Disney+. Plus. We're going to be seeing a lot of that. It's starting to become high risk. They're starting to really damage their reputation. Disney is also the owners of Star Wars, and recently just not letting something go away has been affecting fans' perception of it. We've gotten all these announcements since Star Wars has come out that, oh, it's been confirmed that Palpatine was actually a clone of Palpatine, or it's been confirmed that Rey and Kylo Ren's kiss at the end was totally platonic, and they've just kept announcing things about the movie that they didn't have in the movie, and so does it count? It reminds me of J.K. Rowling just continuing to announce things about what well, was a great property at the time, that you kind of sour fans too over time if you don't let it just be what it is. So it's becoming kind of a, a bad cheese, right? Instead yeah. of getting better with age, it's getting worse. And that's, <laughs> yes, as that's opposed to a good analogy cheese we've ever that gets had. Better with age. <laughs> <laughs> Movies are like cheese, people. Yes, cheese. And, you know, hopefully also. Um, you know, even though the coronavirus is still in force and we're seeing more and more cases of it pop up in the United States, there is always these connections to some of these movies that have come out years and years ago, maybe as a precursor to what is going on right now, hopefully with different results. Right, Cole? Because two well, two movies that we think of that have been very prominent in the news lately. That people are going back and revisiting. Outbreak, and which Contagion. is now 25 years old, and Contagion is almost 10 years old. Right. So very interesting. They find a cure at the end of Contagion, for sure. I don't think I've seen Outbreak, but uh, there's a cure, so we can hope that it Outbreak. Out. Outbreak was because of this pesky little monkey, you know? I think Contagion was because of a bat pooping in, like, the food of a cow or something like it was right around swine flu time and so they were like it's swine flu times bat flu times something else so we can blame it on the animals and the critters we usually do yeah people are finding ways to stream these movies because they're relevant right now and and honestly you need something to do if you're going to be in quarantine for 14 days we're being encouraged to stay home which only means more time to catch up on some of these shows that we've been meaning to watch, If you're right? quarantined for 14 days, you got to do something. What's on that list for you, Cole? If if you 
What's a show you've been meaning to watch or that you want to get caught up on that now you'll finally have time to do that? Well, I can pull up my Netflix list (laughs) because I've got things we've talked about um, in our I've been meaning to watch that segment. Sure. How sometimes things are on your list for so long that it goes off Netflix because the rights end up somewhere else. Sure. And then it comes back and then it just pops up on your list yet again. I know for me... I've got to finish The Mandalorian. I've only seen the first three episodes, Cole. And as offended as I am that <laughs> you haven't watched that show that I love, the first thing on my list is Better Call Saul, <gasps> which yes. I know that you would be happy if I sat down and had a free 14 days to okay, watch. Okay, let's make a deal, Cole. Okay. I will finish The Mandalorian if you will just watch one season of Better Call Saul. I can do that. That is so fair. These are things that we've been meaning to watch, and so... Huh. I've, I've been, been meaning, meaning to, to watch, watch that. that. It's official. It is a deal. Do you want to put a time... What's our time limit here, Jeff? You okay. want to give it, like... Because it's a TV show, it's a season, not just a movie. Can I we think, give it a month? Well, I think... I kind of like that 14-day deadline you just gave there. Okay. Because I, I'm going to need that, Cole. Um <laughs> Yeah, okay. I've got to figure out how I'm going to do that. You know what? This will incentivize me to exercise because I really don't have a lot of time to just sit down and watch something. My wife's not going to watch it, so I don't have any time to sit down and watch it on my own unless I'm exercising. So I'll do it while I'm exercising, and it'll be a double whammy. On our March 28th show, we will revisit this. We will emerge from quarantine from 14 days and have seen another season of a of a pretty good show that we each think is There we good. go. And let it be noted that uh, on uh, a show, a previous show, a, a month or two back, you can look it up on our, in our archive, uh, we had a New Year's resolution show where Cole and I talked about some of these things that we were going to do in the new year that have to do with our movie-going experience, right? One that I talked about was no eating popcorn. For me, I'll say that I haven't totally stayed true to that. However, something interesting is happening, Cole. Every time I do have popcorn at the movie theaters now, I am sick. So maybe saying it on the air, maybe there was like some radio gypsy that came and and put a curse on me or something. That's how it works. Yeah. And so I'm just not feeling well whenever I have movie theater popcorn. So maybe I'll be forced into keeping this resolution. Anything that'll keep you going. Yeah. And then I had another one where I said, if I'm going to watch something, I'm going to be exercising. Um, That hasn't totally come true. However, again, I'm seeing some, some weird effects of making this goal because I... Since then, even if I haven't exercised every time I've sat down to watch something, I have not had anything to eat while I'm sitting down and watching something. There you go. That counts as being healthy. Right. And another thing, well, one the one that I have stayed true to is I have let my wife and my kids do all of the selecting of the movies on movie nights. And uh, yeah, it's... It's meant we've watched fewer movies and TV shows, and it's meant that uh, maybe we don't watch the movies that I would like to watch with my kids. But, uh, yeah, I'm, 
I'm still doing a little bit of nudging so that they can identify some films that I grew up with and loved that hopefully they can discover themselves. I had a similar resolution to the last one where I just wanted to watch more movies with people. And so when we kind of relieve ourselves of making those decisions, sometimes we can farm it out to either your wife or your kids or to your friends. It can help you decide what it is you're going to watch if you don't have that go-to movie or TV show that you're working on right now. And that's kind of what we want to talk about on today's show. What are the movies or TV shows that when you just can't make a decision or when you're in a certain situation that you you turn to and they're right there for you? And that's what's coming up next here on Screen Cleaning. Is there any way someone could weaponize the bird flu? Is that what we're looking at? Someone doesn't have to weaponize the bird flu. The birds are doing that. Watch this. It's transmission. So we just need to know which direction. On day one, there were two people, and then four, and then 16. In three months, it's a billion. That's where we're headed. Welcome back to Screen Cleaning. You, of course, will recognize that theme from the hit television show on NBC, The Office. I definitely will, because it's one of those shows that I just keep going back to for whatever reason. And uh, pretty soon, you're not going to be able to find that show on Netflix. Is that correct, Cole? You can find it on the Peacock. <gasps> oh, what's Whenever that? that? It's the NBC streaming service okay. that they'll have eventually. All Marks right. and Rec will be there. The Office. So, why are we talking community. about The Office, Cole? Uh, the Office is one of those shows that I come back to over and over, and it's when I can't make a decision, right? Because... When you watch enough movies and TV shows, sometimes you're overwhelmed. And like we mentioned, the Peacock, there's Netflix, there's Disney Plus now, there's HBO Max, there's every every individual thing has its own streaming service going on. And sometimes you just get stunned into inaction that you can't decide what it is you're going to do. Yeah. And so you need a go-to. You need something that you can turn to no matter what. It's always going to be there for you. And for me, the answer is always the office. I thought you were going to I thought that was a friends plug, you know, I'll be there for you. Yeah, except friends <laughs> has never been there for me. I don't really I don't love friends. I missed out on that boat. Yeah, I mean, ideally, Cole, ideally, well, this is me anyway. Ideally, I'm sitting in a darkened movie theater with a gigantic bucket of buttered popcorn in a reclining seat, sitting next to the woman that I love. Um, but that's not always the reality, right? That's not the reality you find yourself in on a Friday or Saturday night or just when you want to enjoy a film. And so there are different scenarios in which we enjoy movies and TV shows. They can help you make that decision, right? If you only have a certain amount of time, you're not going to start into a three-hour-long movie. If you are just looking for a little bit of comfort food, you're not going to watch something that's a little more serious. I, again, I bring up The Office specifically because it was really easy for me to decide when to watch it because I used to have these these roommates uh, and they would always, between one of us, uh, someone would be home. And when we got home, we would always just turn on the office. Yeah. And so I, just very recently was the first time I went through it from beginning to end myself. And I realized I missed a few episodes in between because 
it would just always be playing and I'd come and go and, and we'd all go to work. And, and we were actually – there were three of us that were working on the same Netflix account for quite some time because we were college kids. Sure. It was someone's mom's probably. And <laughs> and so uh, – If you're listening, playing, feel free to report Cole Wissinger to – I don't do it anymore. The Netflix higher I have my own Netflix. Okay. The Netflix police can lay off a little Good bit. Good for you, Cole. But, but we didn't used to, right? So <laughs> it used to be playing in the living room and then sometimes we'd stop it and someone else would like bring it up on their work computer or you know I'd have it with me at the gym whenever I was working out and I'd watch a couple episodes. And so – I, we'd each like miss a few as we go and it was always like a race to get to like the good episodes and make sure you were watching when it got there because you don't want to we never went back it was a rule like you just kept watching the next episode so when it got to dinner party you wanted to make sure you were the one watching yeah it was there you know cole um i find myself in a situation far too often where I only get to watch movies in little pockets of time. It's rare that I'll get to sit down at home and watch a movie in its entirety, right? Even a whole 22-minute episode might be too much. Right. So I'm trying to get out of the habit of just watching little pockets of a movie here and there. So when I find myself in the same— Times of trouble. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Mother Mary comes to me. Um, When I find myself with the same 15-minute pocket of time each and every day during my lunch break, I want to get out of the habit of only watching a movie 15 minutes at a time. So the next best thing that I can think of to do is to just watch 15 minutes of a sitcom that really I'm I'm watching more than half of that 22-minute sitcom, which is a good start. Not where I need to be ultimately. Actually, I don't really need to watch anything during that 15-minute break. But for me, the go-to series right now is something that you can find on Amazon Prime right now. It's a very funny television show. And uh, it's kind of a blast from the past, if you will. But not, you know, like a Cheers, not that old, but... It's a show called Third Rock from the Sun, starring John Lithgow. And it's funny because this is a show that I can almost watch and appreciate as a show about these four crazy people that uh, think that they're aliens. But what I'm saying is you can almost watch it from from that standpoint because there are virtually – no uh, supernatural or otherworldly things that happen. So if you if you view it from that standpoint, it's pretty funny. But also, they actually happen to be aliens. So <laughs> you get to put these people in the most ridiculous situations, giving them the most ridiculous dialogue. And man, what an amazing cast this show has. And something that you can enjoy for just a 15-minute pocket of time. I can enjoy The Office for a 15-minute pocket of time, especially because I've seen every episode so often that I can stop mid-episode and know what's going on. But if the answer is not The Office, my go-to for a small chunk of time is YouTube, actually. The Mm -hmm. YouTube algorithm benefits you if you have between 10 and 15-minute videos, and that's what we're talking about right now. I have a few favorite movie-specific YouTube channels, YouTube creators that talk about movies in one way or another that I'd like to recommend if I can. Yes. There is Lindsay Ellis, Patrick H. Willems, 
Sideways, who talks specifically about music in movies and other different music things. He was a music major in college. And also Charting with Dan is a part of Fandom Entertainment's YouTube. Uh, That's where I get all of my box office uh, wisdom, and sometimes it makes me think a little bit more. And he's another stat nerd that likes to look at the box office, Charting with Dan. Yeah. And speaking of YouTube, if you have even smaller pockets of time, you know, uh, let's say you're just killing time while you're waiting for your pizza pockets to pop up from the toaster or something. That is not a scenario that describes me because I was probably a kid the last time I had one of those. Also, you don't put them in the toaster. You don't? A pizza? Are you talking about a hot pocket? Oh, Because that yeah. goes in the microwave. It's got its own crisping sleeve. Two no, and a half minutes. No wonder I had to get a new toaster. Uh-huh. I'm just kidding. Um, but anyway, those little tiny five-minute pockets of time... I might recommend Honest Trailers on YouTube, this really funny channel that you can find that just is spoofs of these movie trailers that come out and uh, done with this very epic Epic voice voice actor. Check it out if you haven't already. Um, You talked about things that we can just have on in the background, things that we can enjoy in our periphery, right? So I edit a lot of audio, um, and so I like to have things off to the side that I don't really have to watch, but I can really more or less just listen to. One of the shows is something that I've seen so many times that really all I need is the audio because the visuals are ingrained in me, right? Uh, The Simpsons is a great go-to pick for just something to have off to the side that you don't really have to pay that much attention to, especially if you've seen it as many times as I have. And then another show, again, on Amazon Prime, that it's not something I've seen over and over and over again. However, the episode, it's kind of a procedural, so all of the episodes are fairly yeah, they're the similar, same thing. right? And you can just enjoy in your periphery or even just the audio of it. It's a show called... Burn Notice that wrapped back in 2013. Great cast with Jeffrey Donovan and especially Bruce Campbell, who is fantastic. Um, probably one of my man Hollywood man crushes. That's fair. If you could believe that. Bruce Campbell. You know, just somebody I'd love to hang out with, right? Yeah. He just seems like a super fun guy. So those are kind of my go-tos when it comes to just something to have on the background or off to the side that you don't have to pay that much attention to. My equivalent to working is working out. And I've said before that 22 minutes for me is the perfect time to be on a treadmill. You just stick the phone in front of you and a 22-minute episode of, you know, say The Office Mm -hmm. is perfect to run to. But if it's not The Office, my answer would also be The Simpsons is one that I wrote down for this. I just watched The Principal and the Popper last night. So I'm in season nine, which by most people's accounts, is where The Simpsons is starting to go downhill. And so at this point, I don't really need to pay attention to every single joke. I just need to get through The Simpsons so I can say that I have seen it. Again, because of our New Year's resolutions, one of mine was to watch The Simpsons. If not that, a couple others from Disney Plus that I'm very familiar with, uh, X-Men Evolution or the animated series from the 90s or the Spider-Man animated show from the 90s that I just need on over there and I can enjoy the cool moments and then just get back to focusing on something else. Sure. And you said an interesting word there that I, it sounds it sounds intriguing. Exercise. 
Ever have to, heard of it? I'm going to have to check that out, Cole. <laughs> it's a pretty good thing. So what happens then if you're flipping channels, you don't really have a goal to sit down and watch a movie. So you're just flipping channels because you're bored. Maybe you have a little bit of time or you don't know what else to watch. And you come across something that is just – it's like the comfort food equivalent it's like the the movie equivalent of comfort food, I should say. Yes. And it's a movie that you'll stumble upon. You've probably seen it a hundred times. You probably own it on DVD. But rather than get up off the couch, dust off your old DVD copy of this movie, you're just going to watch it uh, in progress and, and sit through the commercials. Enjoy it and sit through the commercials even. Why? You like it that much, you're willing to do it. And for me... There are a couple of movies that 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 would fit into that category. One being Jurassic Park because it's a fantastic film and it's been on TV a lot. So right. this situation has probably happened a lot. And one that may not have been on TV as much as Jurassic Park, but I probably like even more. In fact, we just watched it last weekend, The Fugitive. And in fact, when our DVD started skipping, what we did was we turned over to YouTube TV and it was in my queue, and we picked up where we left off, and then we just skipped the commercials when it came to commercial. But those are movies that are just so good that it doesn't matter what part of the movie you you start watching, and it doesn't matter if you own it on DVD. You would be willing to watch it in any format, in any setting, no matter what else you have going on. Uh, you would stop everything to just sit down and watch it. Sometimes them. the movies don't even have to be good. I remember specifically <laughs> in high school – scrolling through the channels and anytime i would see batman and robin i would stop and watch it wait batman and robin the the worst of any batman movie Ooh. that has ever happened but it's just so enjoyable and it's so goofy and i just i yeah i can specifically remember sitting with my buddies and we were just looking for something to watch we needed to go to Batman and Robin was on and it's not like we settled on it we were excited to see it again but when I think of real comfort food and going back to television shows that we've talked about before, the answer is actually, unsurprisingly, The Office. But also it's 2020. It's an election year. And when I need to feel good again about politics, my go-to is The West Wing. I, I got yeah. very kind of anxious about the political process earlier on. And so right now I'm also in season four. Four, I think of that because I just started watching because I needed some comfort food back to me. Yeah. And, you know, even though that show skews very heavily toward a democratic perspective. One direction, yeah. Um, there are moments where they give Republican – the Republican Party their due and they give them a moment to bring up some really interesting points that maybe people on the other side – don't want to consider or have not considered. A right? criticism it gets is that it's too idyllic, um, and in a in an election season, that is what I want. I want yeah. an idealized where everyone can kind of get along, or where everyone has a good point. Everyone can listen to each other because that doesn't seem like what actually happens. It's a good comfort to me. That makes me want to go back and start watching that show again, Cole. I recommend it. Well, when we return, we're going to continue this discussion of go-to films and TV shows and really just kind of give you a rapid-fire list of some of our favorite go-to films and TV shows 
as well as what to do when you can't decide what to watch. And then, of course, we'll wrap up the show by doing a little panning for good. That's all up next here on Screen Cleaning. Greatest songs ever recorded in the oh, 80s. Oh, yeah, one of the greatest songs <laughs> ever recorded in the 80s. You know, there are a lot of songs that that come out that are kind of, they kind of seem like earworms on the surface, and you, you kind of see which ones will stand the test of time and which ones will go the way of the dodo bird or even go the way of the Macarena, for instance. Oh, no, the Macarena is still, you have not been to a dance in the past. It's still, still here. Really? Cotton Eye Joe. The Macarena. Okay. Superman. But I've never heard anybody ever complain about, oh, yeah, from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, right? That's what everyone does. Is it an actual song or was it written specifically for Ferris Bueller? It's an actual song. And then then John Hughes used it in about three or four of his movies. Oh, so it's his fault. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a good thing, Cole. We credit to John Hughes for introducing that into the lexicon. Right. Okay. Um, right now, we are worried about the coronavirus spreading. You'll never have to worry about this song spreading being a bad thing. Because it already did. And, and we survived. we're all better people for it. <laughs> so we mentioned before, like, if if you're uh, quarantined down for 14 days, what are you going to do? And, and in relation to our go-to movies and TV, we did a lot of TV in that last segment. So now this is more the movies that we have ended up going to more often. So if you're sitting down and, you know, you got 14 days to kill and you're not allowed to go outside, which movies do you know you're just going to turn to eventually? Because you have so many times before. What are the movies you've seen the most? Is right. I've, the easy way of asking that question. I've got a handful of them right here. And it should be noted that nowadays I tend to uh, only watch movies that I've never seen before or – you know, maybe I've only seen once, and so I want to have a more informed opinion, or maybe revisiting it might change my opinion on it. But when I was growing up, I would just watch the same things over and over and over and over again. And fortunately, I grew up in a house where I was introduced to some amazing movies, some of which people aren't as familiar with as they ought to be, right? Yeah, I don't know anyone that's ever heard of Ferris Bueller's Day Off before. Cole, no, underrated, that's not the, underrated gem you're pulling out it's for. It's not <laughs> the prime example, but there are at least two on my list that people prob- probably have not heard of or they have not seen in decades. That's pretty good. That's probably right? two more than I have. My list is in alphabetical order, so this by no sh- way, shape, or form is this the uh, prioritized, but... Um, Adventures in Babysitting, starring Elizabeth Shue, (laughs) and Bradley Whitford is actually in it, too. Of Um, the West Wing fame? That's right. (laughs) This is a 1987 teen comedy film uh, that was directed by Chris Columbus of Home Alone and Harry Potter fame. Oh, yes. And known for his connection with John Hughes. That's right. And for a minute, I thought this was a John Hughes-written movie because of some of the funny antics that these characters get into. And because it was good and came out in the 80s. Right. So it uh, stars Elizabeth Shue as this reluctant babysitter who, um, through a series of unfortunate events, ends up 
in uh, downtown Chicago, and she and the kids that she's uh, charged with watching end up in some real danger, as you are wont to do in an 80s film, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there are some really iconic scenes in here, or at least for my family. There's one scene where they stumble. They're running away from these bad guys, and they stumble into this blues club. And it's very apparent immediately that they do not belong there because everybody in there is of a different color, we'll just say. Yes. And these kids are all white. But you know what? They don't kick them out. Um they very quickly embrace them, and the babysitter and the kids are asking for help. And the guy that's up on stage performing says, ain't nobody leave this place without singing the blues. <laughs> and so there's this really fun scene where they sing this basically babysitting blues song while the bad guys are kind of just biding their time waiting in the audience, you know. It's really entertaining. Um, there are, you know, some swear words that you want to look out for. And uh, there's one kind of a plot point where these guys keep mistaking Elizabeth Shue for this centerfold in this adult magazine. But other than that, it's really fun and entertaining and one that we revisited quite frequently in my household. I love that you started off at the beginning uh, talking about how when you're a kid, you you have an easier tolerance for just seeing the same sure. thing over and over again. Yeah. And as you're an adult around kids, maybe you're babysitting in your adventures, or maybe you're a father as you are, as, as Jeff is, um, you start to realize, or, or like me, I have little cousins, you realize that you have less of a tolerance for seeing Frozen for the 473rd <laughs> time than you did when you were the kid watching it. And so I want to kind of wind back and kind of travel through like my age range for when I was watching the same thing over and over and over again. And for me, it starts when I, when I was the youngest. We're talking about probably a Disney movie that it had to have been. And so the Disney movie I remember seeing the most often was Aladdin, because this is the one that came out literally the year I was born. It has been around since I have, and we've got it on VHS immediately, and that's the one I wore out the most. That was the little, I had the soundtrack on cassette tape that I put in my little, like, kid's first cassette tape player that had, like, a microphone on the side, brightly colored. I think, I mean, nowadays I picture it looking exactly like the one that's in Toy Story, like the little Micah guy. It probably didn't, but that's what I'm picturing. And, and yeah, Aladdin was the one that I watched the most when I was the youngest. Yeah, that is a film that got a lot of usage in my VCR as well. You know, some of the other films that we visited quite often is the other one on my list that you probably have uh, not seen, let alone heard of, Cole. Okay. And it's a 1991 film starring Albert Brooks of... Finding Nemo fame, I guess. Or a lot of the other films that Jeff's brought up is one of your favorite guys. Uh, And also Meryl Streep. And it's basically this. Albert Brooks dies within the first few minutes of the film. He goes to this place called Judgment City, which is kind of this place that you're in as an it's an interim between the earth and where you go next. And they don't say heaven. They don't say hell. It's you're moving on. And that's never really defined Uh, But the alternative to that is you have to go back to the earth and try it again in a different body as a different uh, being. 
And so you're basically, you're defending your life. Hey, that sounds like the title of a movie. Yes. And there's a prosecutor and there's a defender. And you get to go and watch scenes from your life. And you also get to eat whatever you want without having to, uh, without the burden of extra weight. And so some of the things that people would really enjoy in an afterlife, right? Mm -hmm. And it's rated PG, so there's really not that much in the way of objectionable material. And you really fall in love with Meryl Streep, and it's just a delightful romantic comedy that you really ought to check out. One of the qualifications for a go-to movie and the one you've seen a lot is one that we've mentioned before on the program is where you're just scrolling through the channels as as you used to do before all these streamings took over, as we did so often in the 90s and early 2000s, and you come across something that you just can't turn away from. Mm-hmm. And when you do that enough, it becomes one of the movies you've seen the most in your life. And Independence Day for me is a movie that I would stop and watch every time because it had exactly <laughs> the right amount of adventure and laughs and just fun, loud, crazy, everything that a that a 8 to 13-year-old could possibly love. And that's the age that I've graduated up to now. Post-Disney World, I've now, you know, I love the adventure. I love Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum. And, and not only did I stop and watch Independence Day every time I saw it, but it seemed like in the 90s on TNT, Independence Day was on every other day. And so those times would start racking up. And, and that's one of the movies that I've seen the most. Yeah. We mentioned another one that was viewed in my household many, many times, Ferris Bueller's Day Off from the 80s. But uh, going back even further, this is a film that was basically represented every little boy's dream. In my mind, that's, that is true of Monty Python and the Holy Grail from 1975. This is a film that has uh, sword fighting where limbs are chopped off in a very comical, ridiculous, cartoony type of way. I mean, it, it was just a way. flesh wound. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, limbs getting Yeah, locked. there are animated sequences in this. It has like one of the most abrupt uh, endings that you can think of. And all of the title sequences are just a hoot. There is no sequence that I can think of in this film that is not just laugh out loud funny. And so we would I would get a lot of usage on the VHS portion, just the just the section where King Arthur is facing the Black Knight and just taking him to town. Yeah, what a great film. The most quotable screwball comedy from my youth. And again, once you get a little bit older, I started appreciating it more and I started watching it just constantly. And I still will watch it and go back and see is Clue, the movie. Oh, yeah. Because of the cast that they assembled. And again, when I was a small child, similar with It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, would be, which would be an honorable mention if it wasn't so dang long. I probably would have seen it as <laughs> often as I saw Clue. It, I didn't realize at the time that these are like the hallmarks of comedians of the time. I just know, hey, it's that guy from Clue. That that's Professor Plum. No, that's Christopher Lloyd. Hey, yeah. that's uh, that's Mrs. White. No, that's Madeline Kahn. Like <laughs> in my mind, they're still just those characters in Clue. Even though now I know that these are some of the greatest comedic actors, and especially that's Pennywise the Clown, anchored <laughs> by Tim Curry. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad you brought that one up because speaking of go-to movies, we kind of had a go-to vacation. Every summer, we would go to the same hotel and get the same suite that was right across the street from the beach. It was called the Bayshores Inn. 
and my dad would get a great deal on it every year. And down in the lobby of this hotel, they had something that I that was like the first thing I would run to. You know, most people, the, most kids, they might run to the vending machine or they might run through the hotel and just check out all the rooms or maybe they'd even run to the beach. I mean, I always checked out the ice machine because I thought okay. it was just cool. Yeah. <laughs> I ran straight to the case of VHSs to see what it is that they had in stock. And thankfully, they didn't really change out anything much. I just wanted to go and make sure that they still had my favorites. One of them that we would watch every year was Clue and uh, great memories of the Bayshores Inn. Um, Getting back to the 80s, this is one that... Speaking of quotable, on this list, I can't think of anything that is more quotable than 1987's The Princess Bride. Yes, I was waiting for it to come up in your list. Yeah, a film that, you know, we would watch sometimes just to see how long we could go before we made a mistake in quoting along with the film, (laughs) right? And yeah, this is one I would be surprised if – I'm always surprised. You know how – I'm from Anaheim, California, so it always surprises me when I run into somebody that hasn't been to Disneyland, right? It daily surprises you that I've still never been to Disneyland. Right. But even more than not being at a Disneyland, I would be more surprised if you had never seen the film The Princess Bride. And another film from the 80s that is just one of my favorite all-time comedies that, again, so quotable and so ridiculous not necessarily a new formula, but a formula applied to the comedy genre. It's The Seventh Samurai if it's starring Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, and Martin Short oh, yeah. in Three Amigos! Yep. Exclamation point. This is a film. Listen to this list of writers. Steve Martin, not a surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lorne Michaels. I've heard of that a name. a producer, That's... but he's credited as a co-writer. And Randy Newman? <laughs> what? Randy Newman I knew as a songwriter, but he's credited as one of the screenwriters of this 1980s comedy, Three Amigos, one that we would – has so many iconic scenes in it. I mean, I I performed My Little Buttercup in high school on stage. That's how iconic it was for me. And really, these are a handful of the go-to films that I grew up with. That, you know, I I haven't visited in a while and I probably ought to. Sometimes I wonder when we say that a movie is quotable, because my next pick is certainly of that genre as well. Is it quotable because we've seen these movies the most or are is there something inherent in their nature that they were so quotable that we started watching them over and over so that we could be sure to quote them? I don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg, but I know that when I was a teenager, I could quote no movie more and I watched no movie more often than Anchorman, The Legend oh of Ron goodness. Burgundy. <laughs> a PG-13 flick with less swearing when you look it up on IMDb than I imagined, but they find imaginative ways to basically swear, and they take <laughs> that one use of the F word that you get in a PG-13 movie and make it a linchpin and plot point of the whole movie. It was just dirty enough to make a 13, 14, and 15-year-old feel like he's cool, but still... A PG-13 movie. Okay, cool. (laughs) And then I do have one more movie, one whole franchise that I want to talk about before we go. And it's not exactly flying under the radar for anyone, but it is 
all the Star Wars movies. Cumulatively, I've seen them the most of any movie. From the original trilogy that I watched just back to back to back every single night of my youth, into the prequels that had all the spinning cool lightsaber action, into now the sequels, The Force Awakens being the movie that I've seen the most in theaters that I've paid to go see over and over again. The movies of Star Wars were a go-to for me and have stretched across my entire movie-watching career. That's that's interesting. I think our listeners are getting a very clear picture of the different eras that we grew up in, right, Cole? And, I mean, in more ways than one, really. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm older than you, so obviously I've seen some older films, but I'm also the youngest of seven kids. So right off the bat, I was going to be introduced to even older films than people of my generation would have been introduced to, right? True. You're an older, you're an only child, and, you know, as we've established, younger than me. So <laughs> also, one thing that kind of bridges that gap is that you were introduced to films that were films that uh, I was not even introduced to. They were so old that I didn't even grow up with, you know, The Mummy and The Wolfman, movies oh, yeah. like that, right? On Turner Classic movies. Yeah. So in the end, I'm so grateful that we both had parents that just helped us see, like, no, 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 no. Yeah, you forget all those movies that you're watching on Disney or all those movies that all the other kids are watching. There's more out there. These are the movies you need to be watching, right? And for that, I am super grateful. And I am too. When we return, we're going to do a little panning for good. And what do you do when you've spent so much time looking for a movie to watch together that uh, you no longer have an hour and a half to two hours to sit watching a movie? We're going to tell you what to do when we return. Farm boy, fill these with water. Please. As you wish. That day she was amazed to discover that when he was saying as you wish, what he meant was, I love you. Welcome back to Screen Cleaning. We've had a wonderful time on the show today talking about some of our favorite go-to TV shows and movies. Isn't that right, Cole? It is. We have a great time every day. Yeah. Now, before the break, we talked briefly about a situation that you might frequently find yourself in on a Friday or Saturday night when you or a loved one or maybe even just yourself have a certain amount of time allotted to sit down and watch a movie. Okay, I got two hours. That's perfect for a longer movie. That's fine. I just got to find one. Sure. A half hour later, I've still got time for, you know, a Disney movie or something that's animated. A horror sometimes falls in those 90-minute ranges. Right. Half hour later, I got an hour. I still haven't made a decision. That is the problem, Cole. There are just too many options out there that bog us down and prevent us from making that important decision of what to watch. So we think we have a little bit of a solution, and you've probably tried this out yourself. But basically, at that point... When you know you've got to get to bed, you've got to get up early for work, or you've got to take care of the kids, you're likely only going to be able to settle on a TV show or maybe even a comedy special, right? That's thinking outside the box. Yes. So, you know, if we're thinking of we only have about 20 to 40 minutes, we're going to watch 
an episode of Superstore. Or we're going to watch an old episode of Arrested Development. So a couple of go-to options as far as TV shows are concerned. But if you have a little more time, maybe an hour or an hour and five minutes, then you'll probably want to head over to Netflix or Amazon Prime, any one of those streaming channels that offers a stand-up comedian, right? And uh, we our go-to stand-up comedian is certainly Jim Gaffigan. And we also like Jerry Seinfeld. Ryan Hamilton is another good one. But it was during one of these sessions in which we were trying to figure out what to watch in a limited amount of time that we stumbled upon another comedian who has a special on Netflix. And uh, to talk about him, we're going to do a little panning for good. There's good in them dire hills. Today, as a part of our Panning for Good segment, I want to talk about the comedian James A. Castor. Cole, have you ever heard of James A. Castor? I don't think I have. So this is probably going to be one of the most unique comedy specials that you can find on Netflix or really on any streaming channel. Because he doesn't just have one special, Cole. He has four different specials. I mean, that's not that unique. Well, it's unique if you tune into it and watch his comedy. He has a style unlike anybody I've ever seen before. And I believe the very first of these four specials that he has, he spends about the first third of the routine standing on his knees. And okay. so you're listening to him tell jokes, and they're funny. They're not really one-liners or anything. He's a British comedian, so his humor is a little different, right? Um but he never even addresses the fact of why he's on his knees until about 20 minutes into the set. And then when you find out why he's on his knees, it just culminates in some pretty big laughs. This is a comedian You're not that— You're going to spoil it for me, are you? No, 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 okay. no, no, no. This is a comedian who really thinks outside the box in terms of presentation, but also his delivery and his humor is just— Different from anything I've experienced. And for the most part, pretty darn clean, right? So his name is James Acaster. And yeah, it's a treat because you won't just be treated to one stand-up special. In that within that one James Acaster selection, you've got four different specials. And uh I wouldn't be surprised if you burned through all four of them and just binge-watched all of them. I've never really thought about binge-watching comedians, but this is a way in which you can do that. And James this one, Acaster. This one might be one to do. I yes. like it. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Screen Cleaning. As I said, we super enjoyed talking about some of our go-to films and TV shows. And If you're going to be homebound, we've given you some of our options that we would certainly go to in that scenario. Absolutely. We are here each and every Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on BYU Radio. You can Google Screen Cleaning Podcast and find some of our older shows as well. They're on any podcast app or device, or like the man said, you just Google it in and see what you find. 
My name is Jeff Simpson. My name is Cole Wissinger. And we are here each and every week on Screen Cleaning to give you the very best in entertainment. Until next time.